So if, if y'all are ready, we'll get started. Sweet. Let's do, do this thing. The back, okay. messy back end happens in every business. So I think we're going to cover a lot of great ground today. And I love the work you're doing. Um, not enough people speak about the flaws of business and that they, every business has them. So uh, love that we're shining a flashlight where some people don't want to go. Um, and let's start the show off with me maybe uh, raising some eyebrows and getting unpopular. Welcome to the messy back end of entrepreneurship. This is Lee Cassells, co-founder of SFQ Consulting. We all know that the back end is where most businesses fail, and I can tell you from my experience that all businesses have them, from solopreneurs to large corporations. This podcast is all about cleaning up that messy back end so you can save time, make money, and succeed. And now, here are your hosts, Sheila J. Logan and Nate Tucker. Our guest host today is none other than my good friend, Ella Glasgow. You may remember Ella from episode 44, where she talks about not starting your business with a mess. Welcome and thank you. Thank you all so much. I'm Ella Glasgow, owner of Beyond Virtual Events and the general contractor of virtual events. I am excited to be your guest host today and we have a wonderful show for you. Harriet Tubman said, every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. I love that so much. On our expert segment today, we're going to be speaking with Stan Peak about building a purposeful and financially successful business. Stan is a serial entrepreneur who epitomizes the saying, the master has failed more times than the novice has tried. He is a seven-time business owner, including a successful acquisition and exit, three-time best-selling author on sales and entrepreneurship, and he has four certifications in executive coaching and facilitation. The best part of his story is the adversity to get to where he is today, and believe me, the man's been through some adversity. He's absolutely incredible, and you'll hear real questions and stories from real entrepreneurs just like you with real messy backends. As an added bonus for the messy backend exposed, our expert Stan will not only share his experience, expertise, and the tools he suggests to get your backend cleaned up, but he will also expose finding your profits through your passion, not in place of your passion. And if you're an entrepreneur with a messy backend and you would like to submit your story or question for our experts to answer, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit us at themessybackend.com. Thank y'all so much for joining us on today's episode of The Messy Backend. Coming soon, watch for The Messy Backend of Being a Single Mom, as well as many other messy backend topics from photography, speaking, book writing, traveling, and more. How would you like to have your very own Messy Backend podcast? Find out more about how you can use our team, our brand, and our online platforms to start and build your own Messy Backend podcast. Visit themessybackend.com slash join for details. Nate and I would love to be on your podcast or speak at your next event. Visit themessybackend.com slash speaking to send us your event details 
and learn more about us and our speaking topics. Thank you to our sponsor, Yes, Women's Network, where you will find the connections you need to achieve your dreams. Find out more at yeswomensnetwork.com. Don't forget to subscribe, folks, to our podcast. Head on over to themessybackend.com slash subscribe so you never miss an episode. Plus, check us out on Facebook and YouTube to see full video episodes. Now onto our expert, Stan Peek, for his expert advice. Don't mess your seat, folks. Here we go. Today, we have a messy back-end question story submitted by an anonymous listener. Passion and purpose are what keeps me going. I know what I'm supposed to be doing and feel pulled to do it. However, I find that creativity and persistence may not be enough to reach the level of success I'm working so hard to achieve. Are passion and purpose enough? How can I use my passion for the purpose to also save us financially? I uh, love the question. Before we dive in, well, thank you ladies for having me. It's so great to be on here. Uh, loved the shows I've listened to. And the back, messy back end happens in every business. So I think we're going to cover a lot of great ground today. And I love the work you're doing. Um, not enough people speak about the flaws of business and that they, every business has them. So uh, love that we're shining a flashlight where some people don't want to go. Um, and let's start the show off with me maybe uh, raising some eyebrows and getting unpopular. So I will say passion is not enough to raise a business that is profitable. And that doesn't mean that passion isn't an essential element. Uh, but a lot of people think passion equals what they love to do. Passion is my create. I mean, the listener there, which is such a great question. And thank you for sending that in. But they use the words passion and creativity. Well, when I look at passion, I don't just say like what I love to do or the things that I'm good at or I enjoy. It's the things I can't not do. If it's not a mission that is too important to quit, maybe it's not a passion. And, and that doesn't mean that's coming from a place of judgment. Well, you're not passionate enough. That's not what I mean. It's more that until you find something that's too important to quit, keep looking. And, and let's, I'd like to just go one step further with that, that when you have that passion, then that is going to help inform your purpose. So passion is not enough, but purpose is pretty darn close. Your purpose is your why, you know, and, and to clarify in private business, purpose is why the organization must exist beyond making money. When you get there, then you're going to be able to outwork your competition and, and still that might not be enough. Okay. You have to know why it must exist. And then you have to know where you're going. What is the better future you're creating? You know, I'm a big believer that entrepreneurs are problem solvers. So what is the problem you're solving? Like for your customer, what's the problem you're solving in the industry? And when you have a reason that's too important to quit, and a better future in your mind that you're creating, those two things combined with passion actually go a long way. And then if we can take that and bring effective process so we know what's working and what's not, we've taken our chances of not just surviving, but executing and thriving in a business and multiplied them. I completely agree. Like you are you're speaking my language because <laughs> like you said, there, 
their passion and creativity are both important things, but you made a good point. If you don't know where you're going, well, what's the point <laughs> at the end of the day? It, it's, oh, it's so true. And, and, you know, one thing, one of the many things that makes it challenging to be an entrepreneur is a lot of times we don't get enough feedback. So it, and my experience owning and co-owning seven businesses and working with well over a hundred different entrepreneurs as a coach is that you don't get feedback in real time on every idea you have, right? So a lot of times you try something and it doesn't work. And then what do we do in the absence of feedback? This is why coaching is important is that you have this story in the back of your mind that's telling you something. Oh, that didn't work. I must be a terrible entrepreneur. That didn't work. I must suck at sales. That didn't work. I must not know what I'm doing. And what the brain, not, the, not your brain, what the brain is doing is trying to backfill any information we don't have because, you know, certainty is a basic human psychological need. We try to figure out whatever we don't know. And so when we launch into this arena with so many independent variables and so much competition and we don't figure it out the first time, what do we do? Well, most people are driven that become entrepreneurs. They criticize themselves. They, they just beat themselves up. Oh, I didn't figure it out the first time. Well, show me the number of billionaires that figured it out the first time and I'll show you an empty room. Exactly. Right, exactly. That's actually one of the things that we've been talking about a lot. It seems like since the pandemic, especially entrepreneurs, we're very driven, we're very passionate and we know what we want to do, but we're also super hard on ourselves and we compare ourselves to someone else's 50th try, <laughs> you know, Bingo. and, and then one, one of the, one of the sayings right now is like, I can be a million, I can make you a millionaire in 3.8 seconds. Well, you know, that 3.8 seconds came at the end of 25 years and $10 million, whatever, you know, they don't tell you about that part that's right. and they just want, you know, but that's, that's the, how they kind of lead you into that. So, and, and I actually can really resonate with this particular question because the reason I started my own business has evolved over the years. And now I'm to a point where it's evolved again. And I would really like to be able to do something and, but I also need, would like to make money doing it. But you, it, you get torn between those two, right? You're, you're passionate, you're driven, you have a purpose, you want to change the world, but you got to keep food on the table. So how, how, do you, how do you fight that internal battle with, this is what I want to do, need to do, change the world. This is what I have to do, keep food on the table, keep a roof over my head. Oh, you know, I'm so glad you asked that question. And it's actually one of the reasons, like I'm not a sales guy. Of course, every entrepreneur has to be, like they have to wear that hat, but I would never call myself a sales guy. And ironically, Lee, who we met because of, you know, Lee Cassells and our other friend, um, we have more than one other friend, but only one other co-author in this book, Catherine Brownlee, the three of us got together to write a sales book for that very reason is because so many people that want to solve a problem for others, that do so altruistically, that do so from a place of passion, they have this massive, we call it a Grand Canyon of a gap between being able to help someone for the right reasons and being able to ask for money for it. So to make it a real business and not a you know, hobby is we have to figure out how to produce more value than anyone else in such a way that it's a win, win, win. The customer is getting their problem solved. 
They're getting to do so in faster time with less pain. The provider is well paid, so they don't have to do it on the side of their desk. They can become world-class, dive in with both feet and do this more and more and more, get better and better and better at solving that problem. And then everybody's winning, right? I know for me, when I was, after getting bought out in my second business, I went through a big funk of like, well, now what do I do? And I actually didn't realize at the time, the reason I was struggling is because success doesn't teach us nearly as much as failure does. So had I screwed up in that company, had we gone, you know, belly up, then what's the natural question? What went wrong? What can I do different next time? How do I get better? But when you sell a company, it's like a high five at the finish line. Well, what do people do then? They're like, get me a beer. They don't go, <laughs> what can I do better? And they don't do it from a place of pain either. They right. do it like if you're even wondering how you get better in those moments, you're like way more committed and driven than the rest. But most people tend to celebrate after a win. They don't tend to reflect. They don't tend to break down and, and what went wrong, what went better. There's, there's very little debrief after a win. So I went through a place of like, What's my purpose now? What do I do? What do I want to do? What do I want to be when I grow up? Hopefully I never grow up. But anyway, that was the, that was the hard thing. And I know I would have paid a coach a lot of money back then to take that funk from two years to two months or two weeks. It's not always about financial ROI. If I could have struggled for less time and come to a place of certainty sooner, to me, that was worth a lot. And so that's where we have to do a better job of quantifying the work we do for others and the pain we solve, the problems we solve, the, the goals we help achieve, the joy we create, and then do so in a way that people can assign what ROI is, you know, not always financial. Yeah. But if we don't do that, sorry, if we no, don't okay. do that, then it's not a complete business because we haven't actually tabled what our value is in a way that's sustainable. Yeah. I think that's the most challenging part when it comes to being uh, a, an entrepreneur who is a coach and knowing that what you're giving sometimes is not that financial ROI. Right. How have you, how, you've, you've kind of expressed it um, in some ways, but how, how would you um, express that to someone who like you is wanting to wanting to get to the place where you are as a coach now now you now you know what to do but how did you work through that process to be able to say you know what i'm okay if the client doesn't get a financial roi how do you how do you express that to them and help them to help them to move to understanding the value of what it is that you're providing them oh i'm so glad we're going down this path thank you for that question it's it so for me right now i can say and it's easier to go backwards i think for me roi comes in three ways one is financial right as a business coach i don't know why a business coach would not live in the world of roi to say here's how we affect your PL, right here's what we did for your top line revenue and even better yet here's what we did for your profit right that's what any business coach should be able to help with by you know, looking at sales, looking at process, looking at expense lines, looking at strategy, and looking at leadership. Uh, the second thing we look at, though, is as a business coach, is business acumen. That could be leadership. Improving leadership in a measurable way. Well, how does that work? 
it does work. Whether you were doing a 360 degree review, whether we're polling the team, whether we're looking at any other aspect, even looking at whether or not trust is moving up in the organization or employee engagement is moving up. We can quantify the culture and the leadership. And the third thing I already spoke about is compressing success timelines. Often, if you do your job, it's all three, right? Help people achieve what they want faster, improve their business acumen, and improve the financial health of their business. That's me as a business coach. But to your point, Ella, a lot of coaches offer different value. So the pathway to get there, how I started was I called three entrepreneurs and said, I'll coach you for free. The first step is I had to know what outcomes I was creating, and I had to actually create those outcomes. And did I do it right out of the gate for the first three clients? No, that's why I coached them for free. It turned out for six months until I could create those outcomes. Once I could create those outcomes, I had to figure out my own messy back end. All right, how do I increase the likelihood that I will create these outcomes? That requires systems and documentation. One of the worst things a coach can do is sprint to help as much as they can right away. Why is that a bad thing? Because you didn't measure the start line. And if you don't measure the start line, it's impossible to guess at the value you create at the finish line. So I, I'm a big believer in systems to help eradicate or improve a messy back end. And every business needs that, even a coach. Yes, that's a legit real business, right? So figure out what outcome you create. And then we have to figure out a way, what does that value look like? If we don't know, create a focus group of your ideal customer personas. Ask them, what would you charge for X? You know, what would you pay for X? What would you recommend I pay, uh, I charge someone else for this outcome? And then we can get to pricing based on outcomes. Because the biggest mistake I see a lot of coaches make is charging hourly. Some coaches, that makes sense. It might make more sense for a life coach. And the reason I say more as a life coach is then people are saying, okay, I need a session with a life coach to feel better. Maybe that's the outcome that's happening. But when you improve someone's business by half a million dollars in a year, that's an outcome that you don't pay for hourly. You need someone bought into a six to 12 month process where you can layer in the systems and fundamentals to drive those outcomes. And if I was charging hourly, well, then people can pick and choose which hours they like better. Put another way, an hourly coach is in a job interview every hour of their life. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, one of the biggest things that I, I started out in the virtual assistant world, and that has like a million times the question, how much do I charge hourly? How much do you charge? You get asked all, all the time, constantly, how much do you charge? And it goes kind of back to that, uh, the story of, I believe it's Picasso sitting in a bar and some guy comes up and says, hey, draw me a picture on a napkin, draws the picture on the napkin. And then he says, oh, thanks. And Picasso says, oh, that's going to be X number of dollars. And he's like, what do you mean? It's just a picture on a napkin. It was so simple. He said, yeah, but it took me this long to learn it. It took me this much to, you know, I, I'm not a coach. And I, you know, I tried it for about a minute and a half. People had been asking me to coach them. I'm like, I'm not a coach. Like I learned that real fast. Um, and so for me, if I'm looking at a coach, and this is one of the things that we talk about on the messy back end, especially looking for those coaches who have that background, that the value doesn't just come the outcome. It comes with what did you put into it for yourself? Because whatever you put into it, you know, you have certifications as a business coach. If you're going to go with someone who doesn't have certifications, find out what else that they 
have in their background that's going to help you. But knowing that result and knowing where the coach comes from, I think those are the two big things as a consumer of coaching that we need to know about. And then when you are pricing yourself, if you say, you know, look, I've been doing this X number of years, I have certifications. This is what puts me ahead of everybody else. That all kind of goes into the, the, the value of what you're doing, as well as your passion and purpose, kind of putting it all together in a big ball, I'm guessing. Oh, 100%. And it's a great, a great place to jump off. Sheila, if we could take a moment, I'd love every one of your listeners to be able to have questions to take to whatever coach they're considering to know whether or not they're hiring the right coach. I don't profess to be everybody's coach. Anyone says they coach anyone, probably full of it. So I think one thing that you should ask a coach if you're considering hiring them is what their lived experience is. You know, I'm a big believer, Zig Ziglar, success leaves clues. So you don't have to figure out like from step one, learn from someone who's done it because that's probably going to be the fastest and even cheapest way to do it. Growing a company, I made a million mistakes. I'm going to make a whole bunch more in the other companies I'm going to own. And that cost me a lot of money and a lot of time. It would have been cheaper for me to hire a coach in those early years, even though as an early stage entrepreneur, I think I have to cut every cost. So find someone with the lived experience who's achieved what you hope to is the first thing I would look at. Let me just add to that. So what sure. that's going to do is save you money in the, at the end of the day. So a lot of us do look at that upfront. I know, you know, when, when Ella was coaching, I guarantee you people were like, well, why should I pay you that money when I could put it towards marketing? Because if you pay Ella or if you pay Stan or if you pay another coach, if they're doing their job that you'll have that money and more to invest and you'll invest it correctly. So like, if you're wondering if you should hire a coach, I love that you said, look at their experience because people who tell you how to do something that they have never done or tell you they empathize with you over something that's never, they've never experienced. You might as well be talking to a wall. That a hundred percent. And the experience is specific. You know, for me personally, I'm, I went and got certified by the number one executive coach in the world. I was like, why would I go anywhere else? I got certified by John Matone, the last two years in a row, he's been the number one executive coach in the world. I also learned a lot from Marshall Goldsmith, who was the number one executive coach in the world the three years before that. Why wouldn't I want to learn from the best if this is what I'm doing for foreseeably the rest of my life? This is what I'm here to do. Um, now, my entrepreneurs don't always care that I got certified by a guy that used to coach Steve Jobs. That's not what their outcome is. They're like, okay, uh, so my resume for coaching with entrepreneurs is that I've owned this many businesses, that I've grown this many businesses, that I've sold a business. Oh, by the way, I'm certified. Where for executives, it's more, here's who I was certified by. Here's where I went to school. This is my you know, leadership CV, and these are my certifications. So, so when you're looking for a particular coach, someone who might be an amazing coach for one audience might not be the right coach for you. Uh, maybe, you know, someone's looking for coaching around, you know, difficult conversations and communication. That's a different kind of coaching than someone who's like, you know, how do I grow this company the fastest and most effective way possible? Totally different experiences. So yeah, you have to look at experience and you have to look at certifications because this is an unregulated industry. To be honest, there's nothing stopping any one of your listeners from hanging their shingle and saying, I'm a coach now too. So yeah. That creates right. a buyer beware scenario, which is why I wanted to take the time and, and give your listeners a few questions they can ask a coach 
The last one I would say, by the way, is ask your coach who their coach is. Right. Great coaches have a great coach. I mentioned Marshall Goldsmith earlier. When he was the number one executive coach in the world, he paid a coach to call him every day and ask him the same six questions. Questions like, was I engaged today? Did I give my best effort today? You know, things like that. That's a guy who holds himself super accountable, which is why I wanted to learn from coaches like that. I've had a number of coaches. Anyone who's not using a coach is someone who's just looking to grow their business and make money. They're not a coach by, by trade, you know? Yeah, I completely understand that. And, and I love the answer of using experience because sometimes, you know, like you said, this, the world of coaching is not, it's not regulated. I think they're trying to bring some regulation to it, but at the moment it's not. And to be able to have the experience of what it is that you're trying to help people on, you know, for instance, as Sheila said, I did coach previously and now I produce virtual events. There is no certification for producing virtual events, (laughs) but I do have a whole heck of a lot of experience of being on the stage and being in shows. So (laughs) I know how things are supposed to go and that's how people can trust what it is that I'm doing. And just as those new coaches can get out there, think about, Think about the experience that the experiences that they have had that would qualify them for being able to help somebody move beyond where they are right now because they've gotten more than a couple of steps ahead with their experience and certification can come at another point later if that's not what they're ready to do. Would you agree with that? Uh, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. And it really has to, you know, let's go back to our listeners question, because it's a lot about passion. You know, I wouldn't say start with the certifications and then see if you like it. No, I (laughs) probably spent, you know, not probably I have spent more than $25,000 on certifications and, you know, leadership education over the years. I wouldn't do that before I figured out if I liked it or not. Right? You got to start with passion. um, And then backfill your expertise. So, so I guess when you think back to com- combining these questions about, you know, how do we start out as a coach? How do we get there? You know, every experience you've gone through has prepared you and given you wisdom and skills for something else. Sometimes, you know, I say passion, going back to the listener's question, you know, your passion and your pain are probably great indicators for your purpose. You know, what you're passionate about is, is probably something that you've just been super curious about over time and that's grown. And that you can't fight that, nor should you try. The pain though, and, and not that any one of us would choose more adversity, right? Of course not. But usually the, the toughest things we've gone through have taught us something. And of course we gotta stay, when we talk about coaching, we gotta stay within our scope of practice. You know, coaching is not therapy. Um, and coaching is not being a psychologist. That's important. But that being said, sometimes the toughest battles you go through are like crucibles through which we forge our greatest skills and our best, most applicable wisdom. So losing my purpose, having to figure out my purpose in the first place and looking at how that helps others achieve their potential. That was my story. Well, that's the type of coaching I do. Yeah, I go get a certificate. There's no certification for that. That's my own story. And then I go get a certification to have good coaching methodology, if that makes sense. Yeah, so certified lived through adversity. 
uh, Stan, I think you have about 45 checks. You, can, oh, you have 45. I mean, um, I don't know, our listeners, if you have not read Stan's bio, you need to read it because the man has been through it. And so I love what you're saying about this, because as I'm going through this transition in, in, for myself, um, I'm going more towards what my purpose is. And so my passion is what get me up in the morning. My purpose is what makes me work all day long. And it goes back to what I've suffered. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs are doing. We find ourselves saying, I've suffered through this. And now I've gotten to this other stage, which is what you have done, Stan, as well. And now I want to help other people go through that same, hopefully not this exact same path, because you just like up and down and up and down. You like everywhere. Um, I want, I, because I know I'm, I'm like a parent. I know I've been there. Believe me when I tell you, if you cross the road without looking, you're going to get hurt or whatever. Um, you want to learn from somebody who's been there, done it, because you don't want to make the same mistakes that they make. And so um, I love that you're connecting all of that together. And, and I love at the beginning where you said, and like I said, back to the question where you said, you know, your passion is not enough. Your purpose is, is almost enough. But if you do those things right, that leads to the financial freedom that you're looking for. And so then it kind of is a, there's a flow there that just will happen where you're not having to force it. Forcing money is, is, like, I don't know, forcing a two-year-old to drink out of a cup. I don't know. Oh, no. Or go to bed on time. Or breakfast That's a better one. The first time. Oh, God, yeah. That's a better Been one. There. It, it's so true. And, and, you know, a lot of times when we talk about things like purpose and values, then, then sometimes I think uh, uh, some listeners or even some executives can say, oh, that's some notion that's way out there. Um, and, you know, I, I want to bring it down so how all these concepts relate so that they can say, oh, I see that in action. I, I was coaching a business owner a couple of years ago when I met this, when I met this guy, great guy, he was about eight years into his business. So it wasn't like just starting. And anyone that's run a business for eight years, that's long enough that you've been on the roller coaster a while. And if you haven't gotten off the roller coaster, it's exhausting. Right. So, uh, you know, we're in the meeting. This is even to start the coaching set, whether or not he's going to go into coaching. And he's talking about his revenue and whether or not it's predictable and what his past has been. And then the question I asked him um, was just, how much longer can you do this? And then it was like, oh, he just he fell apart right there. And he let me know that he was actually considering selling the business and all of his worldly possessions and going to backpack in Europe. It's like, whoa, like you probably should have called me a little while ago. Regardless, what was interesting is that when we revisited, like, why did you start this company in the first place? What were you trying to do? Where's this going? And we didn't get off those concepts. And then we got him back to two things. We figured out why he started the business and we actually built upon it. You know, this particular gentleman was build, was making mattresses, but he was making them in a way that were really healthy. There was no toxic, uh, you know, chemicals or products being going, you know, into our waters or anything like that. So it was a social enterprise. But what really stuck was not just that there was a better way of doing things because some people's mattresses are not healthy for them. It was more the fact that there was a whole league of potential social entrepreneurs that were on the sidelines watching his example. And if he could succeed, they were gonna go start a different you know, clothing company, a different e-commerce this, a different banking that. And so it was more like, whoa, 
like my example can be a ripple that helps change all kinds of business. He also had some squabbles that within his business, he was like, you know, coming in and being a lesser version of himself and ripping his staff a new one. Well, when we got back to here's your purpose, not just you personally, but here's your organizational purpose, that gave him context to go in. When there was a staff issue, he'd always say, guys, what's our purpose? What's the mission? What are we doing this for? And he said, he told me that that helped all the squabbles. And not only did he go from, you know, barely profitable, almost selling the business and, you know, pretty much moving to Guam, uh, he actually went into record profit and opened a second location in Toronto. So, you know, it's not profit or purpose. It's profit through purpose if you do it right. Oh, I love that. That's the quote. Just so y'all know, this is the profit through purpose. Profit through purpose. Like there has to be like this tunnel and and it all has, I love that. That's my aha moment. That's fantastic. I love that. I'm, as you were talking, I was thinking about the other part of the question that the the listener asked about our statement really that they made saying that um, the creativity and the persistence may not be enough. But what I'm hearing you say, and what I believed for myself for a long time is that in order to get through it, you have to be willing to be creative. Because for him to come for you to help him to come to that conclusion, that was a creative solution to the problem that he was having. It seems simple enough to just remind people of the purpose of the why are we here? Right, (laughs) right. That seems so simple, but he had not thought of a a thought of that until the point that you brought it to him and had him use it in a creative way. Guys, let's remember why we're here. Just say it out loud and let's go. And it brought so much more to their business. Well, and, and if we forget our purpose, then ultimately all organizations boil down to we sell stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and that's not inspiring, right? So right. we more than that because the average employee, which is the m- bulk of the organization in most cases, they're not inspired by more profit. They're inspired by the mission. They're inspired by the work you do. They're inspired by because of this company, because of you know Ella's efforts, we get to do this. The world is a better place. That's what fires people up. Um, and this is what I'll say that whether you have a coach, you know, I'm not going to use this as a long advertisement. Use a coach. Great. If not, get a mentor. If not, join a mastermind group or a, a peer owners where people from other businesses come in because every business benefits from having outside perspective. And your team that works for you is not outside perspective, right? You need their input, but you, they're not your shoulder to cry on per se, and, and so the forest through the trees analogy is real. People get stuck in their own problems. And it, it, it does sound easy when you say it out loud. But when people have been dealing with the same problem for years, they're less likely to have creativity around the situation. They're, they're more likely to say, well, I've tried everything, which we all know is not the case. Because if you tried everything, you'd be coaching someone else on how to get out of that situation. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I had started saying some things a long time ago when it comes to purpose and you you kind of mentioned it just now with the purpose needing to be talked about all the time 
because oftentimes people treat purpose like a revival, which happens like every few months or, or maybe once a year. But I have been reminded that purpose honestly has to be renewed every day. It's like a fire. And if you leave a fire without tending to it for a couple of hours, that flame is gone. Well, you know, again, but I love the fact that we're talking about the messy back end of business. What creates a messy back end? Not having an organized front end. If you don't have systems for all of these important concepts in your business, of course you're going to have a messy back end because it's just the, it's the consequence of not figuring it out early. I'll deal with that later. Well, that's what leads to a messy back end, right? Right. And, and purpose can't be one of those things. I'll give you another quick story. Uh, I was working with a security company and it was that time of year, right around this time of year, where it was forecasting for the next year. And it was like, well, we got to grow, you know, expenses are creeping up. Uh, and I remember talking to the two founders and they're like, oh, this is, we have a big ask of our sales team because expenses have grown quite a bit. We have to grow our revenues by a lot. And at that time, going into their strategic planning session, the sales team was fighting their targets a little bit. So we're like, okay, we got to disconnect. Ownership is asking for this. Sales team is willing to commit to that. How do we fix the gap? So we went in there and we talked about purpose. Remember, this is a security company. In that industry, you get two camps. You know, one camp are professionals. They're doing it right. They, they're, they're like, you know, sci-fi kind of geeky, passionate, like all the greatest, latest stuff. And the other camp are, they look like people that are just as likely to install your security system as they are to break into your house afterwards, right? <laughs> so knowing that and having this team share that with me, we go like, what are we doing? Why are we here? And their purpose was to clean up an industry. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now we're on to something. If your purpose is to change an industry, you're not allowed to grow by two to 3%. The only way to change an industry is to participate in it, to, mm-hmm. to make a dent, to make people take notice. You don't have to have 100% market share to change an industry, but you've got to make your competitors notice and then follow your example. That's how you change an industry. So how do we translate to the sales? When everybody understood, yeah, we're here to change an industry. Then the sales team said, you know what? I'll up my numbers 25%. The sales team gave themselves a target bigger than ownership was asking them to do. It was profound in the room. It was awesome. The team told the owners, no, no, we got to go bigger. And any business owner that's listening to that, of course, would love that outcome. That's how powerful a purpose can be. And it has to relate back to each individual. It's not just here's the North Star team. It's like, Sheila, how does your work contribute to this outcome? Ella, how do you and the hard work you do lead to a better future for all of us? Stan, what are you doing that's going to lead to that? And when every team member knows extra effort in equals the whole team is better off, that's how the whole team starts rolling in the same direction. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because the episodes that are recorded right before your stand were your uh, partners, yep. uh, Matt Young and Taryn Lipschitz. And both of them talked about that exact that exact thing, even though all three of the questions that y'all talked about are all different questions, completely different. That at the end of the day, 100%, these three episodes go back to 
What is your purpose? You have to know your mission. One of the things that Matt said is you have to know your mission statement so well that you can just quote it. It's on everything you do. It's on every, you know, it's on your receipts. It's on your wall and you have it memorized and it's not so long that it it gets boring. You know, you got to just, you know, hammer it in there. And when you interview people, you need to ask them, what is your purpose in life? What do you want to accomplish? Because if you find people who are just as passionate about the same things you're passionate about to work for you, I mean, you got a whole team of passionate people about one purpose. Imagine that team would just like would be incredible. So you, it goes back to why are you doing it? But also everybody you are interacting with, why are they doing it too? And doing 100%. the same reason. You're all on the same road that way. And that's how you move mountains. I mean, you know, if you look at Matt and Taryn and Lee and Nelson, we're a small team. And I am just in awe of what, you know, we are able to accomplish. I'm lucky to be in the room, to be honest. And By the just, way, all of you say that. Every one of you are all so humble. Every one of them go, oh, I'm just the lowest one on the totem pole. I'm just blessed to be there. And they're all well, brilliant, good. every one of them. Well, then I'm glad I wasn't the guy that said, well, yeah, it's really my work that... Uh, yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> That's good. No, that's awesome. I, you know, you, you said something really key, Sheila, and I think you may have said this too, Stan, about the purpose, the mission, those, those things don't need to be a thousand pages long. And I can tell you that for myself and my own business, that it was something when I finally realized what my, because, because every coach will tell you, what is your what is your purpose what's your mission statement and i've been and everybody has a a thousand page long and i didn't have that and when i realized because i'm not about a thousand pages long i like things to be short and sweet and to the point and my purpose is very simple and my team knows it we're here to pull up on the greatness in people with every single Mm. show that we do every single thing that we produce how are we pulling up on the greatness of the people that are on that stage the attendees that attend the the shows that we're doing that's what we do every single day and they can remember that because it's short (laughs) yeah mine mine actually mine actually um is helping single women and military wives go from darkness to light and if Mm. you have it that simple and if somebody can you use a visual too if you can use something visual in it like Nikes, you know, just do it. Super simple. You hear that. You don't even have to say the Nike word with it. It's just there. You know what it is. And you want everybody on your team and every single thing that you d- comes up that says, hey, we should try this. Does it serve that purpose at the end of the day? 100%. I mean, our purpose is just as simple. The world needs better leaders. Yeah. And, and, you know, we you think about so many examples, right? Uh, heck, you know, in 2020, you know, there's been great leadership and there has been awful, even abusive leadership. Um, and of course, we're not going to use any examples or point anyone out. In or, either country. It, no, absolutely not. Um, but I think a lot of listeners are connecting the dots, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I love, I love, love, you know, both of your purposes because it's so true. I mean, it just, it shows the care and the passion, you know, Ella, that's just great leadership. It's, it's, it's not about you. It's about the people that are on your stage. You're bringing out their brilliance and that takes love. That takes passion. And that doesn't take someone who's just trying to make a buck. Someone who's just trying to make a buck would say, we put on the best events. Well, if you put on the best events, that's about you. I don't see myself in your mission. When you're pulling the brilliance of others, I'm like, how do I become part of your event? Right. And Sheila, like 
you know, helping single women and military wives go from darkness to light. I mean, uh, clearly I'm not a single woman um, or a military <laughs> wife. Uh, I was a pretty ugly one, but regardless, that draws a very clear picture. You know, my grandfather uh, fought in the Second World War. Uh, you know, thank you to any of our listeners that for your service, if there is anyone in service, Canada, United States or anywhere else, um, you know, that is like, we are all lucky enough to pursue our passions because of the sacrifices of our military and first responders. So what a noble cause. And, and, you know, you don't have to be directly related, but you see how both of your passions, both of your purpose just draws people in. They, how do I, how do I support? Love it. Well yeah. done, both of you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Stan. I appreciate it. And again, if you haven't, if you don't know Stan's story, go read it. It's amazing. I don't know if I'd broken my back twice. I don't know if I'd be sitting there looking all, you know, (laughs) I'd I'd be a mess. Well, thanks, Stan. I really appreciate being on the show today. Your whole team is so inspiring and what you're doing and creating new leaders around the world is incredible. And I love that uh, you all came on and actually gave just about exactly the same answer, because that means anybody who's listening, whatever you're wondering about, ask yourself, do you know your purpose and what's your mission? And just go from there. I think you need to have that for business and personal life. Absolutely. You know, our businesses are just an extension of our lives. We always say, you know, you can't fully remove the DNA of the founder from their enterprise and, and you shouldn't try to. All of our experiences shape us and it's call it fate. I don't believe in fate as you don't have any free choice. The outcome's already determined. I believe in fate in the sense that you were supposed to experience the things you were supposed to experience and then go turn that into something. And uh, again, just so thrilled to be on the ride with the team members that I am um, and so thrilled to spend my time with people like yourselves that are leading change in your own way. So the pleasure has been all mine. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, folks, that's all for today's episode of The Messy Back End. It's Nate and Sheila signing off until next time. Thank you to our advertiser, PodServe FM. They will help you get your podcast hosted and published quickly and easily. Visit them at podserve.fm forward slash messy to find out more. And thank you to our advertiser, Thrivecart. They're the number one shopping cart software that grows your income from existing traffic with high converting checkout pages, upsells, and affiliate campaigns. Watch the video on how simple this cart solution is at themessybackend.com slash cart. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform by going to themessybackend.com forward slash subscribe and check us out on our YouTube channel for full episodes. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of The Messy Backend. I'm Wendy Wybailey, known as your Income Acceleration Mentor, and I'm the founder and dean at More Coaching Client Sales and Marketing Academy. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like my back end is getting cleaner with every episode. I can tell you from my own experience that processing, looking at the messy back end situation when it happens helps you to grow and learn and be that much better as an entrepreneur. Join us again next week as experts share more customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes into the back end of entrepreneurship. Remember, you're not alone. Every business has a messy back end that needs a little attention. Today, doing some, and this is my messy back end. Hey, if you could see the messy back end of this office right now, Lord Jesus in heaven above. <laughs>
You're the queen. I love it. I'm smart enough not to play guess age with a couple of women. People actually guess younger than I am now, so that makes me feel better. They're like, you have a 28-year-old? Actually, almost 29. Yes. And I have a five-year-old, which confuses people because I'm 41. You're both lying to me. That's... (laughs) Number of guests, Sheila, you have a 28 going on 29 year old or 10 kids, which now you're a saint. You don't just leave that out of your bio. You're a saint. When he's like, watch how fast I can run, scooting their little feet as fast as they can, and they're not getting anywhere. <laughs> and that's what he does because he's still, he's like a little cartoon who's, who's like, he gears it up and then he goes. We were driving to my sister in law's place, and uh, this is when my son was really little. Of course, you bring all the presents there, all that kind of stuff, you wrap. And then we're on the way back, and I say to my wife, I'm like, God, the car's just as full on the way back. How is that possible? And then my son is like, wouldn't it be fuller because Santa came? I'm like. (laughs) Thank you for the mastermind moment. (laughs) And the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. You can change the world. Okay, yeah, I get that all the time. Seth Rogen. Yes, thank you. I was like, there's somebody. Yeah. Doggone it. (laughs) Now I feel better about my life. Okay, great. Perfect. It's the back end. It's where I like hanging out. Exactly. The messy back end. That's right. So. Oh, I love it. Um, I actually like the fact, too, that you kind of record after the natural end. Yeah, it's funny. It's light. It adds to it. I definitely, I love that. We call that the blooper reel. Are you human? I was, I really wanted to ask him, do you have anything that's messy in your back end? But I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I probably should have asked him that. So you should have had me there because I would have asked the question. You should (laughs) have.